Welcome to the Board Out of My Mind podcast, a casual player's journey into tabletop game design. We're on a mission to find out how to get that game idea out of your head and onto the table. Here are your hosts, Kim Breeze and Parker Simpson. Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Board Out of My Mind, that podcast where we focus on getting that board game idea out of your head and onto the table. Joining me once again is our aspiring board game designer, awesome good friends, amazing graphic artist, my pal Parker Simpson. Hey Kim, how are you doing? Good. We've had we've already had quite a lot of fun on this journey, I think, learning. I've learned a lot of new things just in a couple of episodes. For sure. Yeah, it's been really fun exploring this uh this topic of game design. Yeah, so huge thanks to uh Mondo Davis for hanging out with us. We've got a, several fun upcoming episodes for you that uh, you'll just have to hold on to your hats and wait for. But today we want to do something a little bit different. So it's just Parker and I hanging out, but we want to give you a bigger overview of the game that Parker's been working on. We've referenced it several times and want to make sure that you, our listeners, kind of have the backstory. Parker's willing to open his brain and share a little bit more of this uh, little game that he's creating with us. And so that is what we are here to talk about in this episode. Yeah. So with the main goal of the podcast being gathering information for aspiring game designers, I am also obviously working on my own game in conjunction with this. We figured it would be a good idea to kind of take a minute and explore kind of what is going on with that theme, what's going on with that game in my head, uh, just so folks know that they can reference uh, when we start talking about it with different interviews and such. Mm -hmm. And we'll do these episodes from time to time to check in, reflect on some of the things that we've already learned from some of our guests, give you, if there's an update, give you an update or just, it'll be a good opportunity for you and I, Parker, to just talk through some of the stuff that we've learned and how that, then reflects back on your build, whether you're changing things or what inspiration you've had from that. So we'll be providing listeners an update through this process, knowing that board games are not designed overnight. They certainly don't (laughs) fall into a publisher's lap within six months or anything crazy like that. We'll do these touch points every once in a while so you all can know what's going on. Yeah, and I'm excited to to share kind of the takeaways that I'm getting from from these folks as well. So yeah, so let's let's hop into uh, the overview for my game. Yeah, so Pterosaur is a racing game where players are stepping into the Pterosaur United Grand Prix, uh, which is essentially just a fun way of saying you're riding a pterodactyl, which is pretty rad in and of itself. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, so. <laughs> The, the idea kind of bubbled out from my love of racing video games. Um, as a kid, I was really influenced by like kart racers. So like Mario Kart, Diddy Kong oh, yeah. Racer, any, anything where you get to go fast and mess up your opponents. Um, <laughs> I was the one who was always crashing into the wall. I was that player growing up. So I'm excited for, I like racing games because I can't crash into the wall on a board game. That's fair. That's fair. It's a little more my speed. Yeah. So in some of my research, when I decided that I wanted the the game to be a race, I've been looking for other comp titles, uh, games that are out there that are doing the the racing theme. And I just, I've come across kind of a deficit in games where you get to be the racer. So a lot of racing games that I've found have that large aspect of 
betting where you're kind of you're like the manager of the racing team or you're betting on a horse race or all, all yep. of these other things but my my intention is getting the players in the saddle so to speak that's cool where where they're actually the ones who are making decisions they're on the track it, it needs that fast paced feel to it and not have anything bogging it down no other yeah no other mechanisms like like betting or or anything like that gotcha um, no you're right because there are a lot i mean downforce comes to mind and there have been mm-hmm. quite a slew of horse racing games recently that's become a suddenly very popular theme to build around so when you told me about this i was pretty excited because it is a different take on a racing game and no one's hopping in the saddle of any of these you're right and not only am i in the saddle but i am flying a pterodactyl right so breaking away from kind of that standard yeah race theme where it's a, it's a race car you're on a horse or, or whatever uh i'm trying to lean into that dinosaur theme where, where it's it's not necessarily like your typical dinosaur game where you're building a park and uh, do, doing all of those very... There are a lot of those, too. Yeah, some very iconic... Yeah, so very iconic, like, dinosaur theme park. So trying to step away from that a little bit while still giving uh, folks who like prehistoric creatures, while still giving them a an exciting experience. Um, and I, I do need to note, we will refer to this as a dinosaur-themed game, even though pterodactyls and pterosaurs are not technically dinosaurs. <laughs> we just need to get that out there. Uh, because it's so hard to say a, a pterosaur game and folks that's understand fair. that that's a different thing. Yeah. So you're talking about it having like reminiscent of the old video game kind of thing. So you're looking at the game to have, you know, potentially maybe items or attacks or do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, some racing games are very strict about like you're just racing. You're not really interacting with your opponents. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to get ahead of them as fast as you can. I've always really enjoyed in video games and in, in board and card games that uh, take that mechanic, like that Mm -hmm. feel of like you're interacting with your opponents and like you can screw them over, but like, I have learned this. I've learned your love of this by playing some board games with you on sovereignty. So yes, Yes, very much so. (laughs) (laughs) um but like having that that tension of like yeah i can attack them but ooh, they might get me back later in the race or on lap Mm -hmm. three or whatever so that there's there's different interactions that i want to have folks be able to do in the game i've i've had a bit of not confusion but there's a lot of different ideas that i have that i want to test and that need to get to the table whether i want to do attacks or like discarding mm-hmm. cards from your hands or having like item boxes there's a whole lot of stuff that i'm excited to to dive into and kind of explore a little bit more but it's i'm trying to <laughs> trying to be wise about not throwing too much into it sure i wanted to still feel like a quick race like it's something that you were yeah uh jockeying for position and it has that element of player interaction where you can have negative uh effects on your opponent's race so i guess to clarify for the listeners at this point uh we didn't really say this up front but where you are in the design processes is this is still a lot of it's a board game in your head some of it has made it to parts on the table but kind of where we are in the podcast is sort of where you are right now in your journey with fine-tuning the mechanics and and the the actions you want the the player to be able to take figuring out which 
which of those attacks or discard, you know, those types of item things that you might include and just kind of tying up that initial mechanical idea of your game. Right. For sure. Yeah. The, um, the idea has, has gone through multiple iterations kind of in my own head and in many, many Google doc uh, files. (laughs) Like the the game initially started out, I was going to do just cards, no board, keep it very, simple but as i've kind of thought of new ideas and different avenues of exploring these things it's definitely evolving yeah so i recognize that it's it's in its very early stages so there's there's a lot of work to be done in getting it out of my head and into these prototypes and so in in regards to the actual game design i've been trying to absorb as much knowledge as I can from other designers, um, whether that's through other podcasts or YouTube or whatever. Um, There's one that kind of stuck out from Carol Mertz. She's one of the game designers at Exploding Kittens. Oh, yeah. Um, Very successful game title. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, So she was she was asked about uh, designing games in the in the initial process, whether you start with theme or mechanics. Uh, and her response was that you should always be designing with your player first, thinking mm-hmm. about your community and thinking about who you're making the game for and then going from there, That's great which advice. was super helpful because mm-hmm. I, I have kind of gotten caught up in whether I need to work out the theme, whether I need to work out like the specific mechanics. But the idea of kind of starting with why and who, it adds a lot more clarity Oh, sure. Thinking about who I want my target audience to be, who I want to love this game, mm-hmm. because there, there's there's always going to be people who eh, they like your game, eh, they don't like your game. But sure. if I can find oh, folks, totally. so if if I can find folks who specifically are super passionate about like the theme and the way the game plays, that's what I'm looking for. Is those absolutely those niche people that's such good advice for a lot of projects you take on though like to really focus on the who (laughs) what the who Mm -hmm. and the why like why are you even doing this and for who is it for so that's fantastic advice yeah so now that we've talked about kind of the the design of the actual game kind of what we're doing uh, a little bit background on me as an illustrator and character designer. I have a lot of love for creating unique characters and exploring yeah. the world behind things. Yeah. Uh, so, so Pterosaur has definitely started uh, from the theme versus mm-hmm. the, the mechanical side. So as a character designer, I want to create a unique play experience for each individual player I yeah. want them to see characters that they identify with and they want to be a part of that world. So having a diverse cast is is super important. I love uh, that. Some of the characters are really fleshed out in my mind while some aren't. That's fair. Yeah. The the main character, Gilly, she was she was the initial character concept. I had this mm-hmm. idea of a messenger character who works along this sunny coastline and her mode of transportation is a giant pteranodon that she nice. drives, that she rides. So that character came very clearly to me, and I've I've got concept images and illustrations of her on my Facebook page as well. If you're interested in checking out on social media, the idea behind the game of this grand tournament is having characters coming from across the globe. So okay. you'll have your typical kind of 
themed characters. Like you've got mm-hmm. like there's a Viking, there's a like a cowboy character, uh, there's potentially a ninja. There's a mm-hmm. there's some pirates. Like there's there's some of these like yeah. very general um, ideas, but narrowing in on specific characters in those classes i guess and the only other one that's very well defined is that cowboy character um i want her to be a a marshal from like the the old west sort of feeling yeah so her name is alexis sky this is actually a nod to to my one of my personal mentors um that i worked with uh, named Alexis Key. She was just a, a natural leader and she invested heavily into me uh, when I was working in management. Uh, so I felt like she would, th- this would be a fun way to honor her. Absolutely. Through, through That's the really game. cool. So having her as this deputy character who she invests in her her team because each of the character choices come in a team where you can pick a specific character from that team. So just having her as like the lead character who's investing in her subordinates, I guess. So fun fact, um, I'll throw some of these pterosaur fun facts in here every once in a while. <laughs> um, the largest known pterosaur species, the Quetzalcoatlus, uh, they were actually discovered in Texas. So oh, cool. with that in mind, <laughs> I'm thinking about having the the Western characters riding Quetzalcoatlus kind of as a nod to the actual That is very thing. cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, the Quetzalcoatlus has a, a huge wingspan, and I thought it was actually funny that they found it in Texas because that is very like bigger that in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed this approach from a theme. I'm a big theme fan in games. Like, I I very much am someone who gets immersed in a game whenever I play it, and so I love that you're taking kind of this approach to it. And I know that it fits your style more because of building out that that story, that background. You're building a world around the game, which a lot of games, when they have that, there's so much more potential in the long run. And I, I think about some of our friends at Fight in a Box and their game, Mouse, Cheese, Cat, Cucumber, has an entire world built around it that eventually has molded into a game, an RPG, and just all kinds of stuff. And so from that standpoint, early on, I mean, I, a lot of this information could change. You may change your mind on some certain things and stuff as it goes, but Personally, I have enjoyed learning more about this world that you're creating and the characters that live in it as you're going through this journey. Yeah, the the world building aspect is one of the more exciting parts of this for me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I want to create a, a good game that people love, but creating characters that people connect with is is just as important mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, so while some of the characters are definitely fleshed out and I have a good idea of what I want them to to look like and act like and like the vibes that I want to come across, there are definitely characters that I'm I'm just not sure what's going to happen with them. Like I'm excited for them to introduce themselves to me uh, as yeah. as they develop. So I'm I'm excited about the the world building aspect of this as well. I think that that'll help inform some of the the game design stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so too. I think there will be a good give and take between the two uh, mm-hmm. aspects. And I know, like with our interview with Mondo, we talked a lot about designing from mechanics. And you know, later on in this, we'll probably talk a little bit more about d- designing from the approach that you're taking, which is really from a theme. And then working on a game from there, because like we've mentioned several times in this podcast is each person's process is kind of unique to themselves. Like you may be able to get pointers, but how you personally uh, approach designing a board game is going to have a lot 
it's going to be very a very personal experience to some extent. So there is no right answer. There is no wrong answer with that. And that's why I've enjoyed watching you kind of go through as your brain bounces around the different parts of this. Like those are certain things that inspire you. So, you know, working on the characters inspires you with this and then in turn influences a mechanic or a rule or another part of how the game flows. So tell me a little bit more, uh, Parker, like as we're talking through that, of what what's influenced you with this game design besides the theme? Like I know what some of your background is, but maybe share that with some of our listeners too. Sure. So I have a, a background as a TCG player, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Star Wars destiny, the best there is. <laughs> so I have the propensity to kind of want to customize things or have like that yeah. asymmetrical balance to games but yeah, so having having grown up playing board games and, and TCGs, I I definitely wanted to lean into having a, a unique game experience for folks mm-hmm. where not everybody is starting in the same position. Some folks have strengths in certain areas and weaknesses in others. So so part of that that's informing the the game design is having specific decks for each character where there's different varieties in each of them. Each of the characters has a a team that they're a part of, which has specific upgrades or specific character abilities. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that I want to, (laughs) to put into the game. Oh yeah. Uh, So there's a lot that's going to have to be play tested and Mm -hmm. figured out. Sure. And that's some of the stuff we're learning about right through this process. But knowing your knowing your TCG history, I felt that come very strongly in a positive way in your design with that want and that need for like the teams and like the, the individual decks. As soon as you t- messaged me and told me that you had that, I was like, I think I know where that inspiration came from. And I really like it because it's not you don't always get that in a lot of games outside of TCGs, which is why sure. I'm excited to see you. Um, you know, trying to fit it in here and, and 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 build on that because I think that'll be cool for a lot of people who either enjoy TCGs like we have in the past or, you know, if they're new to it, like you said, feeling connected to those characters and those teams. For sure. Yeah, and, and I think there's a decent community of folks who want that in their board games. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, like, asymmetry is unheard of. Um, oh, sure. There's definitely games out there that that lean into that, but that's definitely the the camp that I'm in that I, mm-hmm. that I associate with. Well, and um, we've talked about this in some of the games too, is right now you're kind of at a point of just designing the, the basic version of the game. So mm-hmm. then you can start adding in all these really cool, fun elements, you know, so that you have this game that starts out really fun. And then now what, now what other fun stuff do you get to add to it to make it even, even more exciting and more interesting? Right. Yeah. Figuring out the, the base game is not tedious, but I, I definitely have that shiny object syndrome where I'm thinking about like, ooh, this would be a really cool effect for this character to have. Or, ooh, like maybe this uh, item can do X, Y, or Z. And I, I think that's part of me also working on the artwork at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm working on like concept images and like figuring out the characters and the, their vibes and everything. Uh, so as I'm doing that, I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, Ooh, this character could do this, this or this. And I have to kind of yeah. pump the brakes a little bit. No, I get that. I think that's a unique experience for you as a board game designer though, because you are talented enough to be able to also be doing the artwork for this. So you are, you are making, you are having to flip back and forth 
left brain, right brain a lot to really build this out. Yeah. And I, I really admire the the designers out there like like Ryan Lockett, who mm-hmm. like they do the the game, the yep. testing, the illustration, like the whole shebang. Um, so I, I know that as my first design, like this this whole process is gonna be pretty messy. And I recognize that. Yeah. That's okay. uh, but I, I'm excited. I'm I'm glad that I'm that I'm capable of doing multiple things for this project mm-hmm. because I A, I can hop around and focus on different things at different times. Right. But I also get to make the decisions of like how the theme affects the gameplay, how the, mm-hmm. the artwork interacts with how folks approach the game. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited about the fact that I can not do it all, but you, you know what I mean? You're living and breathing the whole thing in your head all, all together, which I think is, mm-hmm. uh, like I mentioned, a unique experience to other board game designers. For sure. You're visualizing it while you're also building it. So what else with this? Would you share um, inspirations that you've had with it or uh, just either whether it's been a game that you've played or if it's been outside influences. I know we've had a couple of good conversations when we talk with Mondo about sometimes it's just your, your life that influences some of your game design. So have you had any of that too? So 2022 was definitely a dinosaur year, (laughs) uh, just in general, uh, the third Jurassic world movie drop. There was the prehistoric planet documentary series, which was amazing, much Mm -hmm. better than Jurassic world, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but th- there's there's been a lot of stuff in in pop culture recently yeah. that is kind of definitely stirring up those like uh, my little eight year old kid feelings of like oh gotta get those dinosaurs like I don't know uh, but yeah and, and along with that as well uh, I guess with having dinosaurs on the brain also in 2022 uh, my son Jasper was born uh, who we affectionately call Baby Dactyl. Because he had he had a remarkable screech, and those those first couple of months were uh, they were something. It was an exciting, I feel like that's sleepless, very relatable for yeah. Folks, <laughs> it was very ethereal time where you're kind of in that balance of maybe I've had like five hours of sleep and I gotta go to work and like it's just oh yeah, it, it's it's a lot, but yeah, very very. But I love the time. nickname. That's fantastic. That was another like little push towards like like dinosaurs on the brain all mm-hmm. the time. Well, um, and I don't know if we've mentioned it earlier though. Like some of the focus is that this game would be approachable for a younger audience. Still fun for people of all ages, but approachable for you know some younger kiddos too. For sure, yeah, and and that's one of the reasons that I'm as passionate about gaming um, as I am is. My wife and I were also therapeutic foster parents for several Mm -hmm. years, uh, and gaming was was a very low-key, relatively stress-free time of of bonding and um, just growing those relationships, especially with kids from hard places. Like It's very important to get those connections where you can kind of let your guard down and focus on, well, we're just, we're going to play a game and have fun and whatever. Uh, so, so having having my game be, like you said, approachable enough that a, a kid would want to play it and a kid could understand it. So, so making sure that the the concepts are straightforward, uh, the gameplay is streamlined and relatively simplified, where it's playable by a kid and enjoyable for an adult. And there's a there's a big growth, I think, in that 
and that whole arena of games, because I, I do see a lot of content creators and even other designers that are, you know, they want to do things with their family and they want to share this hobby with their kids. So I've seen more and more games and, and more and more coverage of games uh, that are approachable like that. So again, I, I have young nieces and nephews who I enjoy gaming with. So it is fun when they feel included at the table. Yeah, I think some of my favorite memories with some of our kids were over a, a table playing with cards and mm-hmm. Star Wars Destiny specifically. but. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong there. Nothing wrong there. I mean, even me as a kid, I remember going to my grandma's house and playing rummy Mm -hmm. sometimes. I mean, because we won't, we will not disclose my age, but that was long (laughs) enough ago that there weren't, not that there weren't board games. I'm not that old. There were board games, but like not as mainstream as what they are today. Like my my, my day, we had sticks and stones. (laughs) That's right. We play with sticks, but those are really happy memories for me. Yeah, for sure. It's very pure and like you get to interact mm-hmm. with people in a, in a different way than you would in like regular social settings. Like totally games let you express a different side of your personality. Oh, I totally um, agree. Yep. And and as for playing games with grandma, I, I do have some fond memories of getting my ass kicked <laughs> in Scrabble. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I've been fortunate enough to see this game in its infancy and be able to play it a little with you. You are finding the fun in the design, um, in the base version of the design. And so I'm excited to see how that grows and changes as as you learn more things, as you try more things, just as, you know, you start to breathe life into it. And it, it is going to be a process and that's okay. I do appreciate the the kind words and you've been super encouraging in the, the initial Thanks. process of this. Um, it's it, exciting. It's been really nice to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really exciting, but... It's really nice to have folks who are in the in the gaming community um, recognize that, like, oh, there actually is something here with mm-hmm. this idea. Yeah. So. And I think you're just going to find more of that as we go along this journey. Everybody's yeah. so nice. Th- that's been my experience as a content creator, too. They're just this. I have met some of the best people through the gaming industry. So just more yeah. like more of that to come for sure. Well, Parker, I appreciate you sharing the journey and letting me come along for the ride, quite honestly, and letting all the listeners come along for the ride. I think that gives us and and everyone listening a good idea of at least where you are in the process. And when we're talking about the game, that hopefully gives them a little bit more context to go with. Yeah. And I'm definitely the kind of person who knows that he doesn't know what he doesn't know. So Mm -hmm. having folks on who can kind of speak into that and give me their wisdom from their years and experience. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited to share the journey with folks and That's awesome. let everybody see all of the, all of the messy mess <laughs> behind the scenes. See that behind the scenes, pull the curtain back. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, uh, that does it for this episode. So as always, I am Kim Vries. You can follow all the things that I get myself into <laughs> over at tabletop rebellion. Uh, on all the socials or uh, jump into our Facebook group. If you do the Facebook thing, uh, Tabletop Rebels, we love having folks in there. Um, Tell us about what games you're playing or what you're up to and, or just, you know, whatever's happening. Sometimes we talk about pop culture stuff too, like Star Wars and things like that. And I am still Parker Simpson artwork everywhere. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Bored Out of My Mind podcast. Find us on social media as Bored Out of My Mind podcast and tell us about your own game design journey or drop us a line via email to boardoutofmymindpodcast at gmail.com. The Board Out of My Mind podcast is a production of Boom Productions.
Until next time.